Uh, if you take your outlines out to, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in the 80 series uh, from the book of Acts. And how many of you are watching the 80 series? Let me see your hands. Is that, is that something? Now, again, it's a different twist on things, but, you know, uh, uh, you know they, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, so you can imagine that some of the things that's getting down inside of you. And, and uh, you know, we have these visions of how things would, would look like in the book of Acts. Uh, you know, with, with the, uh, the, the disciples and the apostles. But just remember, they were mere men and women, just like you and I. They had feet of clay like we do, and they had feelings and fears and all the other things that, that we have, they had too. They weren't super in no means other than the fact that the Holy Spirit fell just like he's, you know, it's given, you know, for us today, that we have that same experience today. That made the difference between, you know, them and, and, and the world. So a prevailing theme in the book of Acts in that 80 series mirrors our lives to some degree or less. And here it is, the trials and tribulations that the church experienced as they move forth uh, in, in the, uh, to present the gospel. Now, Pastor Mike, you know, preached a good message here this past Wednesday night, and he spoke about, you know, persecution and, and how that it, it will cost you something, uh, you know, to follow Jesus. Now, the Bible talks about that we will have persecution. You know, God will meet our needs. God will bless us. But at the same time, persecution, you know, there's people that don't like what we have. But in America, it seems far-fetched because we're not seeing the persecution like we're seeing persecutions in other uh, parts of the world. So our persecution is pretty tame. Maybe it's a liberal movie. Maybe it's an article from the ACLU. Maybe it's a job promotion slide or whatever, you know. But according, listen to this, but according to Open Door Ministries, Every month, 322 Christians are killed. Think about that. More than 200 churches are property destroyed, and more than 700 acts of violence are committed against Christian believers. Think about that. I mean, this is statistics from Open Doors. Persecution is real. Come on, somebody. It's real, okay? Whether big or small, things don't always go as smoothly as we want them to. So we all experience trials on a daily basis to one degree or another, okay? So today's message, uh, the dragon dilemma, and that should be with two M's there. And I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and I want you to look at that. Romans chapter 8, 8, 28. And we're going to look at this, and then on the count of three, I want us all say it together, because I want you to see this. How many of you brought your Bibles? Let me see. Have you brought a Bible? All right. Look in your outline, <clears throat> but let's look at this together. <clears throat> and Paul is writing this, and he states this, and we know. Everybody's saying, we know. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are call, have been called according to his purpose. On the count of three, could we all read this together? One, two, three. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you this morning for life and health and healing. Lord, help us to see you in every day of our life. Whether in trial or in joy, we ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Now, this morning, we're going to kind of camp out on the word trial, okay? And, and hopefully, we can take that one word, and, and, and as you leave here today, <clears throat> excuse me, you will have a better understanding of what a trial is all about. And uh, we all, 
use it in, in circumstances go bad. I mean, if you have a bad circumstance, it's a trial. When discuss, discussing trials and spiritual change, C.S. Lewis had something to say. I want you to hear this. It's kind of a story that kind of goes along with our, with our title today. And uh, in his book, uh, The Voyage of the Don Treader, there was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. The story uh, in, in a Scoop of Estes is this. Now, the guy was a real stinker. He had a bad attitude. He was utterly selfish, and he, had a genuine, he was a genuine brat. And he ended up cursed and become a dragon, okay? And uh, Aslan, who is a uh, magician, uh, uh, magical lion, rather, thinly disguised as Jesus, cuts away the dragon's skin in a most painful process. But only after Eustace has been broken by his monstrous curse, and now that Eustace is healed from being a dragon, and this is a self-portrait of all of us. In other words, you know, this was cut away from him. And because of our sinful nature, and just what trials and repentance mean to us as a believer, means that one is radically transformed. Say the word transformed. See, we were saved, new creature, transformed. And, and, the, and the story there, you know, it kind of goes along with, with our life. The ugly scales drops off. Totally different person emerges from the inside. It hurts. It's painful. It's ugly. But its result is beautiful and the new image of Estes. And so it is with us. How many of you know before you came to Jesus, you had some areas in your life that need to be cleaned up? Somebody say amen. I know in my life, I, there was things that, that you wouldn't like the old me, okay? There was parts about me that you wouldn't like the old me. Uh, but Jesus changed that. Jesus cut away those ugly areas of my life. And now, some, uh, as we look at that, uh, how many of you believe that trials have a purpose? Let, let me ask that question. You believe that? There, there's a purpose in trials, okay? So some of life's threatening issues, stressful financial situations, aggravated scenarios to the point of despair. Trials happens, but what actually is a trial? I'm glad you asked that question because we want to answer it this morning, okay? Well, that's Christianese for what a unbeliever would term a bummer. Some just say, well, I had a trial. It's like a bummer, okay? Or it's like a hardship or it's like a difficulty, Okay. But our use of the word trial instead of just a bad thing implies that there's more to it because of our faith. There is a purpose in the trial, okay? You need to understand that. It isn't just karma. It isn't just faith. There's a reason behind it because we believe that God is sovereign. And when God is letting something come our way like that as a trial, you know, there's something in this that God is doing. And we need to understand that because God is sovereign. And we all need to be reminded of this simple truth. How many of you would believe that God is in control? Let me see your hands. God is in control. You know, God is in control of my life. It might look like and seem like that there's things coming against me, whatever it may be. But i got to realize that God is in control. He's watching over me. His eye is upon me. He has a plan for my life. There's a purpose in this somewhere that I can see. And we begin to go beyond that. So let's define this simple word. A trial is the act of trying, a testing, or putting to the proof. Now, we use it in the courtroom setting. Someone is on trial. 
Are they, you know, uh, and we are trying uh, them to prove the truth, okay? Or an athlete event like the Olympics, you know, they have trial events occur before the final championship, okay? Eliminating those who are not ready. And we also use it perfectly sometimes as like in a recipe, Okay, when after many several trials, we come to the perfect pie crust. Come on, ladies, okay? I I mean, you know, there's that trial. So we even got to think of that. And all these examples, we see the purpose or the action of trying or trial is being something or someone to bring in something to perfection or to its best or to something that is true. Come on, somebody. So listen to this. What is actually happening to us when we have trials in a spiritual sense that I'm talking about, okay, keep that in mind, is that our faith and our character is being changed. Our faith and our character has been tested. Our faith and our character has been transformed. You know, it's kind of like you start out over here as a babe in Christ, and as you begin to walk this way and following Jesus, you begin to change, you begin to mature. There's things that I do today that I wouldn't, you know, you know, I would, you know, I do differently today than I've done a few years ago. Why? Because I'm a different person. I'm being changed daily. Come on, somebody. And I'm being transformed. God is doing something in me. And, and you know, when I was a babe in Christ, you know, there, you know, you could push my button, and I, you know, I, 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 you know, just like you, there were some areas of my life that that needed to change. And thank God, many of them had. Somebody say, "Amen." And in your life as well, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Aren't we blessed to be chosen to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus? Now, you know, you got to think about, you know, if you really think about that and what God is trying to do, when, when people look at us, they need to see Jesus in us. Come on, somebody. And if they're not seeing Jesus in us, if there's something else that they're seeing, then, then there's a problem because, you know, our life needs to mirror what Jesus is and, and what needs to be in our life, that likeness. Isn't that wonderful? No, actually it hurts. Come on, somebody. Because there's things in my life that have to be taken out of my life for them to see Jesus in my life. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Pressure, pain, squeezing, cutting, pruning, hacking. You know, I have a tree right now that I'm going to be working on this week, and i tell you what, I'm going to prune it back because it's not producing the kind of tree that I want. And sometimes God gets the pruning shears out in our lives, and he prunes us. Come on, somebody. Now, let me tell you something. If I want that tree to be nice, if I want that tree to grow right, it needs to be pruned back. And many times when trials come in our life, that's what's happening in our life. There's something in our lives that God is trying to get out of our lives, that God is bringing, trying to bring to perfection. So there's a tearing away of our imperfections because of our sinful nature. It's hard. It's embarrassing. It's painful at times. Our patience is tested. Our faith is tested. Our character is tested. And this is a thing that brings us to the place where we're more like Jesus. And of course, uh, you know, I'm being a little facetious this morning to not uh, like his test because it's an honor to be changed by the glory of God. It really is. But at the same time, how many of you know it's painful too? And many times it's a hurtful situation because, you know, there's a situation in our lives that's being changed along the way. Now, as we look at this, if we're honest, painful suffering still stinks. It's really bad. It really is. But at the same time, we know there's a purpose. At the same time, we know God is working in our lives, okay? 
So why does God's word, what does God's word say about trials? This is the word this morning. We're going to camp out there. We're going to talk about it. What does God's word say? How many of you know we need to go by what God's word say than what our, uh, somebody else taught us? Somebody say amen. How many of you believe that the word of God should be the foundation and the way that we should walk? Somebody say amen. How many of you believe the word of God should be a lamp unto our feet, a light into our pathway? Somebody say amen. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to get that word down in our lives. Listen to what it says. In James 1, 2, and 4, I want you to notice this. Here's what James says. Consider it pure joy. What? What did I just read? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. Now, let me just say something. I'm wondering what James had been drinking that day when he wrote that. Come on, somebody. Are you serious? You want me to count this joy when I'm going through trials in my life? Whoa, 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 whoa. Something's not right here. No, something's exactly right. This is what James said, and we need to look at it for what it really says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Notice this. Whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith. How many of you know your faith is going to be tested? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's a matter of it's going to come your way. It's a matter of it's going to come your way. So God is raising up strong Christians in these last days, I really believe. The testing of your faith, notice this, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Oh, there's that word. Mature doesn't mean you get... You know, it's just a time you get discounts in stores. Come on, somebody. Or, or you know, you get a, you know, your senior citizen. Your, no, no, maturity means that you've come to that place that you're looking more like Jesus. So when people look at your life, they see Jesus in you. And, and you know, I, I, you know, and, and you know, there's just things in your life that's being cut away, as we said earlier. Mature, complete. Notice this: not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. So you know when the, when the when, when you know when the pruning comes, there's certain things that's just kind of cut away, and this is what happens. Now notice this: notice the benefits in the test of the trial to remind us that He is in control, to remind us that He loves us, to remind us that He's bringing us to maturity in our lives, that He's showing us a better way. Now look at what Peter says about. It. Now James said this. And then Peter said this, these, these guys walked with Jesus, so I think they know what they were talking about. Notice what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in all, notice he starts out in this, in all, okay? In all this, you greatly rejoice now, notice this, through now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So what is they saying? They both say that it's a joy to have trials in their life. But folks, I'll tell you, to be honest, there's times when I'm in the midst of a trial, it doesn't feel like joy. Come on, somebody. Well... For the new believers in the book of Acts, trials weren't just running out of gas or or spilling coffee in the car. Come on, somebody. 
A trial wasn't when, oh goodness, I run out of hairspray. How am I going to look in church this morning? A trial, you know, we, we have little petty things that happen. They had nothing to do with nothing. Folks, you know what? Eat, when you spill your coffee, you don't spill your coffee. It has nothing to do with the trial. Come on, somebody. Whether you run out of hairspray or your hair. Uh, you know, how many of you have ever had a, a bad hair day? How many of you have just a bad hair year, you know? <laughs> well, that's not a trial. <laughs> As much as, you know, it's not a, that's not a trial. That's not what we're talking about, okay? When Peter penned these words, Christians were dying at the hands of the Roman soldiers. Folks, it was costing them their lives. They experienced severe persecution to the point of death. And we see that kind of opposition in America today. No, we're not seeing that. We may, but we're not seeing it right now. Did you hear me? We're not seeing what they're seeing. We're not feeling what they're feeling. We're not going through what they went through. But we see on the news Christians being beheaded by radical Islamics. How many of you know that 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 gives one a sense of, wow, whoa. That makes the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the others, believers in Acts, very indeed real. And should also put American uh, trials in some perspective. It's like, wow, that could happen here. As I gave you all those stats earlier uh, from Open Door Ministries, you know, all these things that are happening. You know, hundreds of Christians are dying, okay? Uh, they're, and they're being persecuted and, and they're being beheaded in other countries. Being, they're taking their heads off. And as Mike described it, you know, and I've, I've seen a little bit of that myself, Mike, and I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch that. I mean, that was hideous. That was, you know, devilish. I mean, that was, uh, you know, that, 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 that was something that you just don't want to see. You don't want to get that image in your mind. I, I'd say don't go even don't look at it. But at the same time, you need to understand that trials are real. Somebody say amen. So, number one. All right. That, all, that was introduction. Let me give you number one. We're going to go through this pretty fast, though. Number one. Why does an uh, omnipotent God permit bad things to happen? That's the question. Why does an omnipotent God allow bad things to happen? Now, according to the Bible, it says we know that God is perfect and holy. He never errs, never surprised. God knows the punchline of every joke, okay? And every, he's everywhere, and he knows everything. God could protect us. God could shield us from all things if he wants to do that. But let me tell you something. God has a better purpose in your life. And, you know, God's watching over you. God's watching every area of your life. And matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There's, you know, no temptation taken you but such as is common unto man. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but with the temptation make a way for your escape. And, and, and you see, he's watching you, and he's watching you. Now, you know, I, I, I love my children my, and my grandchildren and now I'm getting to enjoy my great grandchildren, okay? And 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 I just love them and, and, and to watch them and you can see certain things. You have your eye up on you can see certain things. And just when they begin to walk, you know, if they fall down, you set them right back up to walk again. Why? Because, you know, it's God's will for them to walk. Come on somebody. Not to just, you know, sit like that forever. You know that. So in God's looking at us and He has a plan for our lives and He knows We're going to rise up to the challenge of whatever that challenge may be. God knows that we're going to come there. So there's things that come our way, and the trials and the testing, it gets us ready for the real thing. Come on, somebody. 
So if you're facing a test, you're facing a trial, let me tell you something. Realize this, count it all joy, because God is getting you ready for something bigger on the agenda, on the horizon. God has a plan for your life, and God's getting ready to use you. Come on, somebody. You're going to be used by God in a greater way. You're maturing to a different level. Oh, my, think about that. So God is getting you ready. Now, let's just look at some scripture here today as we look at this. Uh, You know... uh, Jesus made it clear that in life you would have problems. In life you will have trials. Let me give you the scripture. Listen to it. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In other words, you're going to have peace. In other words, you know the thing it is, I came to Jesus. I don't know about you, but my mind just used to go all kinds of ways. When I came to Jesus, I had a peace of mind. Come on, somebody. I had a peace of mind, you know. Some people, their problem is, you know, somebody says, you know, I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. Well, the problem is you gave too many pieces of your mind away. Come on, somebody. (laughs) And and what we need is a peace of mind where that, you know, know, I can lay my head on the pillow at night and go to sleep. My wife says, my goodness, you go to sleep quicker than anybody ever seen. You know what? He gives his beloved sleep. He gives me peace. And you know what? There's a... 10,000 things that I cannot handle in life, but you know what? I can pray. I pray before I go to bed, and I cast all my cares on Him, and I go to sleep. God's going to take care of this. Oh, but don't you just wring your hands sometimes, Pastor? No. What good is that going to do? You can wring your hands. You can jump up and down. You can do cartwheels. It's not going to help the situation. I mean, it's like a kid, you know, they, take, they, they throw a little temper tantrum. I just, oh, I, I just love my grandchildren and, and, and you know, and great-grandchildren. You can just see them sometimes. They don't get their way. They, as though that's going to change something. And sometimes it does <laughs> for me. I'm a sucker, you know. You know, especially when they just lay their little head right there, you know. You're like, oh. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. God has permitted a broken world, one we've damaged by our choice of sin, to affect us. Evil is obviously real, so why don't we allow it? Why doesn't he just stop things? Why doesn't God just put a stop? You know what? God could put a stop to every evil, everything in the world. Let me tell you something. In 15 minutes, we would start all over again. And in 15 minutes, it would be almost back to where it was before. Can I get a witness? The truth is this, that we don't have all the answers to all the things that's happening in life either. Now, when you're going out witnessing, you know, you know one of the things you don't want to get into is these long, you know, you know, questions of life or whatever. And sometimes you might just say, well, you know what? I don't have the answer to that, but I'd like to get back with you. Could I have your, you know, and, and, and do that? You know, why does God, why did the tornado hit so-and-so? Why did this? Why did little children die? I mean, we don't have the answers to some of the questions of life. Come on, somebody. I don't have all the answers. Now, I can give you an answer, and some people, they, 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 they need to just keep their answer to themselves. Come on, somebody. Because it may or may not be the right answer, and we just need to understand that that God is watching over us, and God sees things in a different life, and we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers, but we can say that we live in a broken world. 
We live in a broken world. We live with broken people. Come on, somebody, who make broken choices. Can I get a witness to that? And God has given us the right and the freedom of those choices. We're not robots. Thank God we're not robots. You know, God just didn't, you know, he winds me up in the back. That's not us. We're not robotics. We're not robots. But God has given to us a free moral will. Come on, somebody. We're free moral agents. I can make a choice to serve him. I can make a choice to curse him. And my choice is to praise him. Come on, somebody. And to thank him and and love him because I know who he is. But I have that choice. It's my choice. Okay? I want you to listen. And, And God wants me to love him because we want to love him. It's our choice. Okay? And again, we don't understand everything. Listen to this. I want to show you this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. You got to see this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And the heavens are higher than the earth. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. Wow. That answers a lot of questions. You know, just as a father, just as a, uh, you know, grandfather, great-grandfather, you know, I can see things in my children and great-grandchildren and children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. I can see things in their lives that I know that they don't know. That I've, I'm a little bit farther along. I can see things in a, in a broader perspective, okay? And I can help them along the way because sometimes their thinking is not in the right thinking and sometimes we get what I call stinky thinking, you know, and that's not the way God wants it, and that's not the way it is. And it's a trial's coming our way. Listen to this, Genesis eighteen twenty five. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? We've got to have a perspective of God that God is going to do the right thing in our lives. God's eye is upon us. If you believe that, say amen. Now, let's sum this up. And as we do for sure from God's inspired word, I want you to take note, write some of these things down. This is important. You got your pen and paper, write this down. God's character is impeccable and good. You need to know that. God's character is impeccable and good. Number two, God gave us the freedom to choose to love him or to reject him. That's just a fact, okay? Number three, our freedom means... People make bad choices, sin, and suffering occurs. Now, you know, whatsoever a man sows, help me out, that shall he also reap. So many times of what we have done, what we've sown, has come back to us. It's the the chickens have come home, the roosters, they've come home to roost, you know, things have come back to us. Number four, God allows his only son to die to bring us back from separation and the cause of sin. Yeah, you know, when I'm watching some of the, the movies, uh, you know, especially any of the movies about Christ dying on the cross, you know, my <laughs> way of thinking is, oh, no, don't let this happen, Lord. And then just when Jesus was praying in the garden, Lord, you know, if there's any other way, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, don't let him die. But the fact of it is, he came to die for our sins. That was his purpose in life. Somebody say Amen. And if he didn't die on the cross, we would still be in our sins. So we have to understand that. We've got to look at that that way. So despite forgiving us, sin still remains in our mortal bodies. Now here's one that's like, 
Really? Yes. Yes. Sin still remains in our mortal bodies. You've got to understand that. How many of you know the Bible says little, uh, you know, little ones sin not, but if you do sin? It means that you have that capability within you to do so. Now, I don't know. Maybe it'll scale to 1 to 10. It, it may take a lot to push your button. But let me tell you something. You know, if it's, if it's out there far enough, you can get to the place where you can make the mistake. But thank God we have forgiveness. Come on, somebody. Thank God that God's already covered that as well. We make mistakes. We, we sin. Little ones sin not, you know, Scripture says. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. Okay, so we have something that covers us in that, that, in that situation. He uses trials to transform us to be more like him. In other words, when a trial comes, it transforms it. You know, it's kind of like as we think about the diamond, you know, a diamond in the rough, you know. It, it takes all that pressure and time and life to make the real diamond. You know, it, it takes a lot of work to make that. It's like gold that's being refined in the fire. You know, there, there, there's the fire, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes gold more pure and the same in our lives as well. And also, therefore, rejoice in trials as they conform you to his image. And, and lastly, because it proves that he loves you. Now, what does it mean that God allows pain? What does it mean that God allows pressure? What does it mean that God allows trials to come in my life? It means that he cares. Now, here's the thing. God can step in anytime he wants to. But let me tell you something. Sometimes he does. Sometimes when the things are coming our way, sometimes he steps in. Because you know what? If it's get, the pain's getting unbearable, if it's getting too much, God just steps in and God takes over. But let me tell you something. There's a time in life where God will not step in. It's just like when you're a baby that's walking and it's, it's, it's kind of like this. And you know it could fall. You know it could fall any minute. But you're allowing the baby to take the steps. Come on, somebody. You're allowing the baby to walk. God is allowing us to mature, to be more like him. To be, you know, to be in his image. He cares so much about us. He's, he, he is not willing to let us remain like the dragon uh, Eustace Clarence Scrub was. But to cut away that, you know, that, that, that Jesus may be seen in us. Okay, A.W. Tozer said this. It's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he hurts him deeply. That's a powerful statement. You know, what does that mean? What's it saying? It's saying that God loves us enough, cares enough, that he don't want to see us where we are, that, that area of our life where we're not where we need to be, but he wants to get us to the perfection person and the cutting away of that dragon and those ugly things in our lives. When we come to Jesus, we're forgiven. We're made new. Okay, that's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, help me out. He is a new creation. New creation. Old things are what? Passed away. Behold, all things are what? Don't you just love the smell of new things? Just new things. And that's what, you know, when, when we came to Jesus, you know, we are just, you know. And, and, and then this world started working on us. But at the same time, God was allowing the Holy Spirit to work on us as well. And still working on us today. And all, although forgiveness and, and change spiritually, we're, we're, we're like babes, okay? How many of you know babes have dirty, stinky, little, messy diapers? Come on, somebody. Our righteousness is filthy rags. You ever been in a shop where they work on automobiles and clean up 
oil and mud and grease and all that stuff and see one of those rags laying over there and you think, that's what our righteousness looks like in the eyes of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Our, our righteousness is as filthy rags, okay? So, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.10. We've all sinned. We all have, come from, we have a sinful nature that, that God has changed and that God is changing daily, but, but we all have fallen into that. And again, if we, are, if we were good, which we are not, a good person doesn't cut it compared to a holy God. Somebody say amen. Now, now let, let's, just, let, let's, just, let's just look at it for what it is. Isaiah said this, Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Wow, that, that's powerful, okay? And again, in Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become one like that is unclean. And all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We, 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 are, we shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins keep us away. Now, compared to Adolf Hitler, I'm pretty good. You're great. But compared to Jesus Christ, whoa. When we start comparing that to that, you know, so, well, you know, if I'm compared to Hitler, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. But compared to Jesus, we miss the mark. Somebody say amen. Our very best efforts is like dirty diapers to God. His grading standard is not on a curve. Come on, somebody, it's perfection. So that's what God is looking for in our lives. Now, let's look at what that means. What does that look like? James says in James 2.10, For whatsoever, whosoever, I should say, whosoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. And you might say, 99 and a half won't do. It takes 100 to get you through. The old gospel song, okay? You know, and and there's a lot to that. Just one pinprick of sin breaks the balloon in your holy standard. I mean, you might, you know, it's like, I've done all this, yeah, but you can't keep the law because you cannot do that. Thank God for grace. Somebody say amen. The grace of God. Number three, let's, let's, let's sum this up. Let's close this up this morning. Number three, let's not forget the one who is the ruler of this world and it's Satan. Come on, somebody. The ruler of this world is Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age have blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. In other words, the God of this world, he, you know, let's, let's look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Notice this, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the print, the the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedience. The other translation says he's the prince and power of the air. And, uh, you know, somebody says, you, you know, uh, a hurricane or a tornado, it's an act of violence. No, it's not. It's an act of the devil. Come on, somebody. For the devil's the prince and power of the air. He's the one causing those things to happen. I believe when God, and I believe when he's doing those things and people are praying, there's been many a times there's been a, a tornado headed right toward the city and people begin to pray and hold up their hands and they just say, whoa, right on around. Come on, somebody. So although the devil is at, at work in all of these things, Satan is constantly at work in this world too. He hates us. He hates Jesus. He hates anything that's holy. And the Bible says that Satan is a thief bent on destruction of the earth. 
and, and, and lies that, 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 that the truth of God, goodness, and God loves us. He lies about that. He doesn't want us to know that. So what is the application this morning as we kind of sum this up, as we put this together? So what do we do with this? I want you to know this. Knowing that we live in a broken world that can hurt us, this world is filled with broken people who can hurt us, it's ruled by Satan who hates us, is it any wonder that we suffer? Somebody say amen. The world's broken, people are broken, and Satan is against us. I mean, in other words, it just seems like we're in this world, but we're not of it, but we're in it, and we're affected by it. Somebody say amen. This is precisely why God invaded our world. This is precisely why Jesus came to rescue us, to restore us, bring us back to himself. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures here this morning, uh, and then we're going to close. Why trials? Why trials? Peter says in 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. Notice this, to test you. I can leave it right there, and I believe you could get the gist of what God is at the test. Everybody say test you. Trials come to test you. Many times, things that people build, they always test it to make sure it's going to last. And that's what happens. We come to a certain place in life. And God, you know, the test comes. How many of you ever been, let me just put it this way. Maybe it's a more practical way that you'd understand it. How many of you have ever been in school? And I don't know if you're like me or not, but, oh, I was a clown, Dennis, I'm telling you. It's like, I mean, you know, it's like I'm making everybody laugh and all that. And the teacher comes in, she sees us all cutting up, and she, she has a book, and she slams the book shut down, and she said, Pop quiz, test. Are you serious? Test. I know one time I think I just went and put a big zero on it, folded it over and handed it in. I knew I didn't know nothing. Shoot, I ain't getting, I ain't, I want to get one on this. I, I ain't studied nothing. What, you supposed to read something, didn't read it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Test. No test for me. I'm testing out. I'm t- I failed it. See, we need to get to that place where we're going to be tested. We will. There will be a test. Come on, somebody. There will be a test. Not not if, not maybe, not to some people, but there will be a test to everyone that has Jesus Christ in their heart and they love Him. God has a purpose in those trials. Somebody say amen. Let's look at the last one, 2 Corinthians 3.18. For we are being, notice this, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I don't know what that says to you, but what it says to me is what I am and what I need to be, there's continuous transformation going on in my life. Somebody might say, well, I'm pretty good. Well, you're good. God's going to get you to be better. Come on, somebody. You say, I'm better. Well, good, better. God wants you best over here. There's a progression 
in what God is doing in and through your life. So, you know, again, we're at that place. We need to understand where the real rub is, is that Satan is the ruler of this world. And this world is broken, and people are broken. And because of that, we're in this world. We're not of this world, but we're affected by this world. So when those tests come our way, you know, it don't feel joyful at the time. But let me tell you something. How many of you have come in and you've read? I've been at those times where I, 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 got, a, I got one up on the teacher. I read my assignment. I knew what was going on. And when the test came, I aced it. Come on, somebody. Wasn't that good? Oh, I did it one time at least, you know. Don't look at me facetious. You, you probably missed a few tests along the way too. But we've aced a few too. Somebody say amen. And that's the way it is with us in this race that we're in. There's going to be those times that we feel like there's pressures of life and situations that are coming against us. And let me just tell you, it, it, it's bringing us to be more, it's transforming us to be more like Jesus. Jesus.